And so the question um, any senior marketer or, or any kind of senior person in, in a business has to ask is, um, do we only use human endeavor at the last mile to check, validate, quality control, whatever? If that is the case, what does that say about the seniority of people that we need and the number of people that we need? B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Paul Afshar, who is Deputy CMO of Borderless Payment Provider, Unlimit. Um, Paul, a very, very warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Very well and, and happy Friday, Benedict. <laughs> happy Friday to you too. Um, I, 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 always, I always find it a funny old term sort of saying happy Friday, but um, I, will, I will indulge you with an, a reciprocation of happy Friday as That's well. That's very kind of you. Um, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's a sense of catharsis, I think. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Um, so today, Paul, um, we are going to be talking about a, a hot topic, a topic that's been talked about a lot, but I think a topic which has been talked about too much from a theoretical perspective. Uh, too much maybe from a sort of longer term dystopian um, uh, perspective or utopian perspective, depending on uh, which side of the, the fence that you sit on, but not enough from a practical perspective and looking at what its immediate application can be within our profession, which is marketing. And I'm sure it will come as no surprise to people tuning in uh, that the topic that I am referring to is AI. Um, so to kick us off... Um, I suppose I'd, li I'd like to get your reaction to the following provocative truth, that there is too much discussion about the pros and cons of AI um, and businesses are neglecting to think about how it can be applied to their businesses in real time. Is that true of marketing or is that something you feel is a little bit more nuanced? I think that is true. And it's a bit like, well, we're not quite there yet, but it's a bit like discussing the merits of oxygen Great, we can do that, but it, it, it is a fact. And now, uh, obviously, AI isn't uh, nearly as omnipresent as oxygen, probably never will be. However, I think the analogy still stands in the sense that it's here, it's going to keep on being here, and it's going to keep on um, accelerating in terms of its development as well. Really interestingly, I was speaking at a conference this week, a marketing conference on Wednesday, and the panel I was speaking on was specifically about um, AI, uh, what are the applications in marketing, how should we think about it, what are the risks as well. It was the most well-attended panel, not because of me, but I think because of the subject matter. And what was really interesting about hearing um, questions from the audience and also sort of discussing with them um, after the panel discussion was just the differing levels to which people are onboarding AI into their marketing processes. So you've got on the one end of the spectrum um, uh, CMOs who are encouraging their teams to play around with the functionalities of ChatGPT. Um, and so, you know, it feels a little bit like a playground and a little bit more organic. And at the other end, you've got um, CMOs who are, um, you know, essentially giving briefs to their team to completely reorganize all of their processes, um, looking to use sort of automation and AI, tool, AI tools as well. 
There's a specific example that I can share with you about what I did in my um, previous job to essentially onboard a whole um, new AI process when it came to our um, SEO content creation. But I I think, you know, it it is a spectrum. Um, There's differing levels of of acceptance almost in a way. But a direct answer to your question, Benedict, is I I don't think um, it's useful necessarily to opine on, you know, whether it's good or bad. It just is. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I think it is a a reality that we are all going to necessarily need to confront and actually just need to embrace and get on with it fundamentally. Um, And I was really interested what you're saying there in terms of the the spectrum. And um, I think probably our our audience, I can certainly sort of relate to seeing people who occupy different parts of that spectrum. Uh, Now, the chat GPT exploration dabbling I think is, 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 is a given, and I think we're all probably experiencing the utility of that. But it was really interesting what you're saying, that there are some CMOs who are saying in no uncertain terms, go away and tell me how AI can radically transform the way that we are operating. You know, Based on the conversations that you were having maybe at the conference or more generally, what are marketers coming back with in response to that brief? It's a great question. Let me talk about the example that I referenced previously, and hopefully that will give some context. In my previous role, so I've just recently changed roles, The what became um, super apparent to us in the leadership of the company was um, the ability to fundamentally alter the way we were doing things in, in marketing. I'll give you a very specific example. If I think about um, SEO as a way to attract organic traffic, leads and revenue for, uh, for, for the company, but also for other companies as well, um, the, the process of creating content, technically um, altering it and updating it, adding backlinks, all of that sort of you know technical stuff is quite mechanical. And um, historically, has been done by human individuals. Now, human individuals is a really weird term to describe a content team as, but typically, you know, it would be a content team of, to be quite frank, quite talented um, writers who are being used effectively to, you know, churn out um, high volumes of um, very technically altered copy, which, you know, worked for an algorithm, but perhaps not for a human being. Um, one, so that was the sort of the, the insight in a way from a very human perspective. What we did was we took a look at the the process chain of that and said, okay, cool. There is a way to hook up using a combination of um, ChatGPT, Zapier, um, and other platforms like that to hook up your um, SEO tool, whether that's Ahrefs or SEMrush, to um, you know essentially sort of Google Workspace. So you're downloading, um, you're live downloading. Uh, search terms like you know you, you programming we want long term uh, long tail keyword clusters we want you know different types of uh, keyword combinations um, to then uh, automate the process of uh, chat GPT or, or in uh, our case we used ByWord uh, as well which is another AI writing tool to uh, create content on that basis to then get ChatGPT to essentially check it against the technical specification which we've already pre-programmed in add uh, a bit of code which added um, links and, you know, made sure that the keyword frequency was uh, there and then publish it to, uh, we used Ghost as a CMS system, but publish it to a CMS system. So so essentially, you know, that, that's quite a complicated chain of um, events in a way. 
um, which used to involve a lot of humans, including the uploading of the content, which I think is a, the, the worst use of a kind of human endeavor in a way. Um, and from start to finish, uh, we got to a point where we we fully automated that entire um, chain. So there was kind of no um, or very little kind of human touch uh, effectively. Uh, what did that give us? Well, it gave us um, two things, a huge scale up in the volume of content we were able to produce from an SEO perspective on blogs and guides. But it also gave us a sort of a different paradigm in a way, allowing us to say, okay, we can try and make an educated guess based on, you know, historical data based on <clears throat> research, what the algorithm is going to like, but what better way to test um, what the algorithm is going to like, Google's algorithm this is, than to throw a whole bunch of content at it, which by the way, we can now do because we fully automated the process and rather than to, that process taking 10 hours, it now takes 20 minutes um, and see what sticks. And then go back and use our quality human endeavor or to put it a different way, use our human content writers to say, okay, cool, this seems to be ranking. Um, based on a whole bunch of different criteria, we're now going to go and sort of give it a human writing treatment, e.g. add in some insights and perspectives, sort of, you know, essentially move it from a low-fi content position to a high-fi content position, um, and then get all the benefits of that. So what was interesting about um, experimenting with that process, and it was a lot of experimentation, a lot of um, errors were made, was it, it led to a very different way um, of the team working. Um, it, it changed the process, it automated a lot of the process, but it also meant that we could just work and experiment in a different way, um, particularly when it came to um, aligning and testing and experimenting with what the Google algorithm wanted. So in answer to your question, I think, you know, in that particular instance, we took a conscious decision. It's, it's one of many in, in terms of sort of implementing AI and automation tools into the process or indeed changing the process um, that radically altered the way we were able to do marketing and the way we were able to scale what we were doing uh, as well. But, uh, you know, certainly from speaking with some people at the conference, and it was just a sort of a snapshot rather than a, a full representative sample. I'm not sure that um, a lot of marketing teams are, are quite there yet. No. I mean, it, what you have described, you use the word complex and, you know, it's, it certainly does sound complex. I think that it was justifiable, justifiable complexity, given what I would, I suppose, infer are the efficiency gains and also the effectiveness of sort of gains that you get from that. Now, not to want to go down into the weeds too much, but I think actually it's, I'll be interested. And I think our audience would be interested as well implementing a process like that and actually even just identifying a process like that who was involved in that because almost that's a specific skill set to be able to have the awareness of the technologies and also the skills and experience to to implement those what what did that that transformation look like that's a really really, really great question and speaks to one of the points i wanted to make around um how the sort of foundational marketing skill set probably needs to change and is changing to reflect that. But let me answer your question directly first. The truth is that um, what we had to do effectively was involve different parts of the organization from the product team um, and from the engineering team as well, and implementing that process and um, essentially creating the code which linked up um, you know, various disparate platforms um, wasn't something that certainly was in, within my wheelhouse nor within most um, of the marketing teams as well. Um, 
But in terms of a sort of a process view, uh, it, it, it was, you know, it, it was fairly obvious what needed to happen, what needed to be, not what needed to be joined up. I suppose part of the question is, well, how are you aware of the capabilities of particular tools or platforms to do that? And I think that came from a, a separate exercise of essentially taking a 30,000 view, uh, 30,000 foot view of the um, AI tech stack landscape. Um, and we we actually sort of, you know, got someone to look in and, and sort of treat this as a research project and come back with specific recommendations based on, you know, competitive analysis. Um, so, so that gave us a good purview of what was out there, what we could do and what the capabilities of certain tools were. And then it was a case of sort of stitching them together with the process view. But the process of stitching together actually required a completely different skill sets within marketing, which speaks to the um, point that I wanted to make, actually. Interestingly, has the, have the fundamentals of marketing changed over the last 30 years? It's possible, I think, to say no, to argue no. Um, fundamentally, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get people, human individuals, to believe and be persuaded and then take an action. Uh, and so, you know, the ways in which we do that, the channels which we use may have evolved, but the outcome that we're trying to um, affect is still, is still the same. What I think is different now with AI tools is whilst you may have had to um, upskill on, you know, um, uh, how we use sort of technical specifications of SEO briefs to get Google to recognize and rank content, um, which was a specific skill set. The sort of the, the paradigm was still the same effect. You're trying to get content in front of people. Um, what's different about this is in order to fully utilize um, the capabilities that various AI platforms and you know processes stitched together give you there are two sort of fundamental skill set that i that i think you need to have that aren't really present necessarily in marketing what is a very tactical one is a strategic the tactical one i think is um essentially input engineering um if a uh, ai tool or to use chat is a, is a very 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 smart 13 year old um uh, with no kind of emotional recognition or register you need to be incredibly um, specific and sophisticated with the briefs that you give to that incredibly smart, you know, 13-year-old, e.g. ChatGPT, in order to get out what you want. And that is a, a skill set that I think is partly got through experimentation, but also is something that can be taught and learned as well. The other is coding. Um, you know, where did we... Had we not had that um, capability internally, and we did because, you know, we were a fintech company, so naturally you would... Um, it wouldn't have been possible to stitch together those tools to create that process. And it's not a particularly sophisticated um, level of coding that was required, but you know, it, it was a necessary skill set to be able to create that outcome. So those two things together, I think, are um, will be absolutely necessary in the marketing um, sort of wheelhouse to be able to work in the way that is going to allow us to, to have the same outcomes as we did. And how would you assess the current skill set of the marketers on <laughs> the 10th of November 2023? How far away are we from having those skill sets? Or are we in a position where there is going to be a skills gap, which is going to cause a little bit of a crunch? I think there is already a skills gap, um, which is causing a crunch. It's just a question of um, the intensity of that skills gap. What I mean by that is right now, 
5% of people in marketing have those skills or perhaps less than that and 95% don't. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a sort of extreme gulf, but most people are on the, you know, on the skilled part. I'll use me as an example. Um, using those two um, uh, sort of skills, um, input engineering and coding, uh, have I got better and not skilled myself on input engineering? Yes, because I think that feels a bit more intuitive. You can read, digest content and teach yourself um, and you sort of learn through experimentation. Um, how, how, can I code? No. So I, I'm a prime example of someone in a senior marketing role um, at a large organization who doesn't yet have that um, skill set, but is, is patently and painfully aware that I in myself represent the skills gap as well. It's something that I'm uh, addressing. You know, there are lots of free resources from Google specifically, um, which will sort of equip you with those skill sets, but it is still a gap. And so we, we've talked, uh, I think, in quite detail, and I think there's really, really strong application for how AI can have a big impact, to use that word, um, when it comes to content creation and the automation of, of content. And I think that the, the two are sort of inextricable. Uh, wh where do you feel the sort of the next frontier is within marketing for AI's application? I think there's a similar application right now and a similar um, productivity gain when it comes to data. Um, data analysis and data interrogation. If I think about the just the number of hours that I, as an individual, um, spend looking at, you know, just to give a couple of examples, Google Analytics, our Salesforce data from Looker, um, you know, and other sort of data sources, and essentially manually sort of pulling that data and manually interrogating it using sort of Excel codes, which feels, you know, like a solution from 15 years ago, and maybe that speaks more about me than it does about anything else. Um, it, it's, it's you know, what, 30% of my time is spent doing that. You know, not just the kind of manual parts, but also looking and thinking about the data. Um, now, that's something that patently can be um, automated. And in fact, ChatGPT itself already has the tools to be able to do that um, data interrogation. So you can ask a very human question, e.g., um, what activities contributed to our search ad performance or what optimizations contributed to our search ad performance, you know, between a particular date periods, identifying those and sort of replicating them. Uh, the problem is that in order to get to that point, you still need to sort of do a lot of the manual pulling. So in using the SEO analogy that we used before, there is a process um, that can be put in place which stitches together each of those parts, perhaps using some sort of external code, code as well, um, and brings in different um, AI tools. The challenge, um, so I can speak from experience, is partly one of cost because some of the... Um, uh, AI to data, sort of data analysis AI tools out there at the moment are not as cheap as your you know, $10, $20 a month ChatGPT, um, uh, you know, subscription and remain a bit untested. And also time as well. It was relatively straightforward once we worked out how to stitch together um, software in a process to automate SEO content creation to do data um, interrogation and analysis, I think it's going to require, or so from my experience, does require a lot more time. And of course, the risk is a lot higher. Um, you know, you can, you know, opine or allow a chat GPT to opine on a particular subject when given a keyword prompt. You can't allow it to do that when it comes to sort of data crunching because there is a right and a wrong answer. Absolutely. And also, I think that there is, um, 
the ability to intuitively validate what you're coming back when it is based on language. Uh, there's a much greater task uh, to try and uh, intuitively unpick where all of the number sequencing um, might have gone might have gone wrong in the process. I think that you, you raised there around sort of that there are some untested technologies and some of the, the dangers there, which I think is a nice segue to the final question, which I'll be interested in is with We've spoken about the positive impact significantly of, of AI within this context. But I'd be interested from your perspective, where do you feel that the application of AI within the context of marketing is being overstated? So I'll give you um, two answers which may well contradict each other, but I think they are useful to, to, yeah, <laughs> to, to outline. I think two months ago, and I still believe this to be true, if you asked me, can AI tools replicate the human endeavor of a creative team? And by creative, I mean sort of designers, illustrators, videographers, content creators, writers, etc. I still think the answer to that is, is no, because if I, as a human being, I, you, let, let's take SEO as an example again. Um, everyone has uh, searched for... Um, you know, a, a recipe online or a recommendation of, I don't know, uh, moisturizing cream, etc. And typically the articles which um, rank the highest on, you know, page one um, are those which have been essentially sort of SEO to it within an inch of their lives and start with moisturizing creams are creams that moisturize your skin. And, you know, and it sort of goes on like that. And it, it's sort of by um, filtering through all of that, you know, genuinely quite useless content that you actually find an answer with when it's not actually the answer that you kind of necessarily want. Why have I use that as an example? Because, you know, if I wanted to read a witch review, for example, on face creams or um, the best, you know, trackpad to buy for a MacBook or whatever, um, I would get a, a concise and satisfying answer because the answer has been written by a human who knows my pain point and the fact that I want to get to the answer quite quickly and knows what I'm looking for as well. Can um, the tools out there replicate that sort of, let's just say, human intuition yet um, and not come with all of the sort of the noise around it? No, I don't think they can. And, and, and the same is true of, of imagery as well. If I programmed in a very specific set of um, prompts to a stable diffusion or you know one of the uh, other tools like that, it would come up with a, an absolute fantastical image which would look like it was sort of dreamed up in the mind of God. But is it going to give me the um, uh, the sort of the the design and and you know the the kind of creative that I need in order to run performance ads on Google in in the specific way that I do? No, it's not quite there yet. So that's kind of one part of the answer in the sense that I, I think the, it's not that it's overstated, it's just that the, the, the sort of ability of um, individual AI tools to create the output of what is essentially a human process at the moment isn't quite there. I think it can be, but it requires that process stitching. The contradictory um, answer to that is, well, okay, that may well be true, but do we need a team of um, six designers and six copywriters in order to create the same volume of output uh, in, in the time? I think the answer there is, is patently not. Um, so if I, you know, I, 
we all sort of worry about our jobs, um, or maybe I do, maybe just my existential anxiety day in, day out. But, you know, the skill sets that I sort of grew up with, if you want to put it that way, good writing, good eye for design, um, knowing sort of what um, evokes emotion in a human being, um, you know, and applying those things, I think feel a little bit, if not redundant, then um, replaceable by an algorithm or large parts of it do. So what's the sort of summary of that answer? I think the summary of that answer is there is certainly a need still for human creativity. Let's just sort of use a very catch-all phrase when it comes to marketing and the intuition that comes along with that. But I think we're not far off a large proportion of that being replicated. And so the question um, any senior marketer or, or any kind of senior person in, in a business has to ask is, um, do we only use human endeavor at the last mile to check, validate, quality control, whatever? If that is the case, what does that say about the seniority of people that we need and the number of people that we need? And so that can become quite a sort of a scary prospect for people who have those skill set and work in marketing. And that is something I absolutely agree with and not to want to be sort of too dystopian but that's where I feel there is going to be the real disruption um I think it's there is absolutely a a role for a human being in it uh within that process but there is not the number of roles that there were and also I think that point around seniority is very very significant if we are to use copywriting potentially as sort of an example of that what uh, in the traditional way of work is that you would have an, an editor perhaps who is saying, this is what I want to, to write about here, kind of a brief junior copywriter, midweight copywriter, go away, come back, I'll review it, I'll feedback, we'll iterate it and we'll come back and we'll finalize it. Where I feel that probably the direction of travel is, is that you have an editor who writes a brief to a generative AI tool that generates a first draft there is then the opportunity to, I mean, literally have the conversation with the generative AI to iterate that. And then the editor can, can finalize it. Because I think certainly where the technology is at the moment, there is that necessity to have somebody with that, that particular oversight. Further down the line, who knows? I, I think that we probably will be frightened about where we are in, in, uh, in a few years' time. But certainly at the moment, I feel that that is really the, the direction of travel in terms of the model. Now, that is dystopian from a uh, perspective of anybody that is operating at a sort of a midweight level in the real time. But something which has sort of a occurred to me is that there is going to be a second sort of crunch, which is what we're not, uh, by taking that model, is we are not creating any lines of succession for those senior editors, for want of a better word. Because to get to that point as a senior editor, you have to learn by being a junior, by being a midweight, by being a, a, a senior uh, copywriter, again, to use, to use that example. And if we are almost disintermediating those midweights, they're not going to get that opportunity to, to learn and develop. And that, I think, is what is frightening because you're potentially then losing that skill set and expertise of the seniors. And actually, probably that's going to be around the same sort of time that AI is advancing and actually can step into that. So I'm course, seeing these two sort of forces um, happening sort of in, in, in synergy there, which I do think is, is quite frightening. 
Um, I think, not to end on a, a dystopian note. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think that's a really um, realistic and accurate portrayal of the, the dilemma. And just to sort of finish off with, with a perhaps provocative thought, given the title of the podcast, there is something um, idealistically Marxist about, you know, people like Sam Altman and other kind of AI creators and leaders whose argument, central argument seems to be, don't worry, because what we're doing is we're emancipating human beings from the sort of mundanity of repetitive tasks and your genuinely sort of menial labor in order to do more productive things. That's fantastic. Um, but to your point, what are those more productive things? And how much of reskilling will I need um, to invest in myself in order to, to get there? So I think opportunities abound. And I, I'm a bit of a sort of a pessimistic realist when it comes to these sorts of things in the sense that I'm I actually neither optimistic nor pessimistic about the future I'm just sort of it, it is what it is and it, it's here um let's work out how we kind of manage to um take advantage of it so I think if I was listening to this um six months ago me saying this um I, I would spend some time thinking about how I can get ahead of the curve how I, in my marketing team, can you know implement some of these tools and processes before others and before competitors, because then you sort of get a, a first mover advantage and a, a learning premium because you've done it first as well. Absolutely, and I think that that's a, a nice a nice way to sort of I think conclude um, what I would certainly take out of um, the conversation that we have just had. Um, AI is happening, whether you like it or not. Uh, so to our initial sort of point of conversation, let's stop discussing the pros and cons and actually moving into an applied phase. And I think that what was interesting when you talked around the the spectrum that exists in terms of how marketing teams are approaching this, um, I think that it is frighteningly naive, um, to be honest, for um, the instruction to be let's dabble with chat GPT for all of the reasons that we've just spoke about. And actually, based on the, the conversation, I think that it is imperative that marketing leaders set the imperative to their teams that we need to look at how this can change the way that we work. And I want us to take a very, very ambitious and potentially radical view for how it can, because otherwise change will happen to you. And it's much, much better to be the agent of change rather than the uh, the uh, object of change, as it would be. I'm mixing it slightly, subject and object, but I think it, hopefully that will have come across. Um, so, Paul, I mean, thank you very, very much. I mean, one for, I think, you know, having a really, really interesting conversation, but also for going into some of that detail, which I think is going to be invaluable for people listening in. So, um, yes, I will, I will return it again. Happy Friday. And thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Benedict. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.